0: Ha, <laughs>
1: A podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm
2: Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out.
1: This week, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society meets the Club of Dead Men, an episode of Nightfall from February of
2: 1982. Nightfall was a supernatural horror anthology produced by the Canadian Broadcasting Company between July 1980 and June 1983. The series was created by Bill Howell, known for his work on CBC Playhouse, and Johnny Chase, Secret Agent of Space. Although inspired by the golden age of radio, Nightfall took a more modern approach to horror, pushing the boundaries of what was acceptable on Canadian radio at the time. One episode features a man tearing out his own heart, another has a man cutting off his hand and feeding it to a pack of dogs. These intense situations and graphic sound effects led some CBC affiliates to drop the series entirely. The
0: Club of Dead Men is based on a short story by the same name written by James Wentworth Day. Prior to World War II, Day had, for a time, been the personal assistant to Lucy, Lady Houston, and shared her support for Benito Mussolini, although he was suspicious of Hitler. Later, Day became an outspoken political figure and TV personality whose opinions were considered pretty racist and xenophobic, even for the 1950s. He was also a ghost hunter, which may not surprise you after you hear this episode. The Club of Dead Men from Nightfall. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices.
3: From National Public Radio. NPR Playhouse presents Nightfall.
4: In the dream, you are falling, lost in the listening distance, as dark locks in. Ah! Nightfall. Good evening. Tonight we have a story in which you have to consider who belongs and who doesn't. Remember whether they're a member or not. The play, based on the classic short story by Jay Wentworth Day and dramatized for Nightfall by John Douglas, is called The Club of of dead men.
5: Cambridge is full of ghosts. What else would you expect of a city half as old as time? Crowded with bells and soaring spires, echoing courts and dusky staircases. Back home in Canada... I'd always loved the idea of ghosts... the way some people loved the idea of war... until they get into one... and see a man with his body in shreds... and still moving. But I was lucky. For a long time, the dead avoided me. Too much white light for them in Canada, I guess. Not enough stairs leading down. But in England, of course, in Cambridge... That's another matter. My first morning in college, I really thought I had them at last. I set out to hunt them down like a collector, specimens from another world, all ready for display. I didn't understand, you know. I never realized that their net was bigger than mine, and that they were waiting me mm? uh, who, uh, who is it
6: Good morning sir don't mind me I'm just a better.
5: Oh, you're the the what?
6: The bedder. I'll make the beds and tidies up your room, like. Oh, but
5: I, uh... Oh,
6: now, never, don't you worry, sir. Our young gentlemen from overseas, they take a bit of getting used to, having a woman doing their rooms and them still in bed. (laughs) Oh, Lord bless you, sir. I'm old enough to be your mother. Here's your tea.
5: Oh, uh, uh, thank you, uh, Miss... (laughs) Mrs. Possick, sir. I'm Jim Warner, and I'm from Canada, not the States.
6: Yes, I've heard... Oh,
5: oh, my
6: word. Had a bit of a spread last night, didn't you?
5: <laughs> the guys, fellows down the hall decided my arrival called for a celebration. Oh, they celebrate a pig in the master's garden, they would. Probably because
6: they put it there in the first place. <laughs> Told you all about their pranks and hijinks, eh?
5: Well, as a matter of fact, we got talking about the local ghosts. I learned all about the house by King's College, where the invisible squire plays the harpsichord. There's more ghosts in Cambridge than there's people living.
6: And the best of them's right here. W- here? In the college? Across the quad, in the room, at the top of Cow Lane. Cow? No, no, it ain't a country road. Cow Lane is an old stone staircase at the far end of the cloisters and steep enough to break your neck
5: too. What happens in the room at the top of it?
6: Well, that's where they meet. The Everlasting Club. Everlasting? Now that's what I'd call a really exclusive group. Oh, you might as well say so, Mr. Warner. They're all dead, you see. A long time dead. And who were... Who are they? Oh, they were students. Oh, a long ways back. And very wicked, too. Every second of November, All Souls' Night, that is, they're supposed to meet there. But the room's been locked up for years, and nobody goes to see.
5: Not ever. All Souls' Night. But that's only a few days away. Mrs. Posset, you've made a sale. I'm a ghost hunter from a way back and never caught one yet. Do you think they'd let me spend all souls' night in Cow Lane? Oh, for God's sake, sir! Don't think of doing such a
6: thing! Well, I shouldn't be telling you this, but... Well, near 20 years ago, when I first come here... A poor young student gentleman... He thought it would be a great lark to spend that night in the room. Yeah, and? Well, he must have got back to his own room somehow... Because that's where he was found next morning. he'd shot himself...
5: Well, that doesn't. Fraud or no fraud, I'm going to spend all soul's night in that room. Glass of Mr. Warner. Oh, thank you, sir. I'm afraid it may strike you as medieval, Mr. Warner, but I'm usually addressed as master. Archaisms are widely believed to be part of our charm thank you, Master. Mm, So you wish to learn all about the Everlastings, Mr. Warner? The club of dead men, hmm? It is more or less in my field, Master. The Everlastings are a heavy burden, Mr. Warner. We try to keep silent about them, and then when they're almost forgotten, there's another occurrence. I've heard, Master, you have their minute book. Ah, Mrs. Posit, so much for college discretion. You know, I wouldn't mind the betters knowing everything if they just keep their damn mouth shut. Oh, very well. You're a scholar in the field, after all, and withholding research material is the sin against the Holy Ghost. Now, the first volume here is the minute book with the names of the members and the rules of the club. I'm afraid that many of the latter are blasphemous and obscene. This second is a journal kept by one of the members, a fellow of the college, called Charles Velasquez. And the purpose of the club? To violate every rule, to stamp on every law, human and divine, to revel once a year on all souls' night in honor of their lord, the devil, and to continue doing so until the ending of the world. And do they? You are the latest of several who tried to find out. They all came to a bad end, you know. The Everlasting Club, corporeal members, A.D. 1738, meaning they were all alive at that date. 1738 was the founding year of the club. They were all in the flesh, yes. Alanis Dermot, president Eight. Latin? Alan Dermot, eternal or perpetual president, the evil genius of the group. But Latin, I'm afraid I don't read... You don't a... apologize. Almost no one does now. It's only the names, in any case. Pretentious, weren't they? Satanism is a kind of church, Mr. Warner. And the devil was a scholar long before he was a scientist. Franciscus Witherington. Francis. Enricus Davenport. Henry. Very good. Jacobus Catherville. Jacobus. Your own name, Mr. Warner. You are James, are you not? Jim, James, yes. So, your name in Latin is Jacobus Warner. Hmm. Carolus Bellasis. Carol, no. Uh, Charles. Correct. Charles Balassus, the last survivor. Found dead, 1766. Author of the journal in your hand, which tells of the terrible ending of the club. If it ended. If indeed. Turn the page, Mr. Warner. Two more names. I thought Belassus was the last. Hey, they're each in a different ink, and... My God, the dates. As you say, the dates. Robertus Farnham, 1861. On the morning of November the 3rd, 1861, a student named Robert Farnham was found dead at the foot of Cow Lane. It was thought he came hurtling down the stairs and struck his head. The last one is uh, Googly Guglim, Julie Amos. Julie Amos Scott, 1960. The one who shot himself. The few who have seen this put it down to a prankster. Two pranksters. Right you are. If they're genuine, the two entries are a hundred years apart. It's only a few days to All Souls' Night. I am requesting your permission to spend that night in Cow Lane. Don't tempt me. All the others were alone at the end. If I found a buddy, someone cool to watch with me, would you change your mind? In the daylight? Yes, it's safe enough. But take my own master key. The servants know too much already. Thank you, Master. Mr. Warner... Hmm? Let me give you one more Latin phrase. It may come in useful. Um, yes? In manus to us, Domine. Into thy hands, O Lord. And Mr. Warner. Master? Be careful which Lord. <laughs> More like a stone ladder than a staircase. Oh. oh, boy. Half these old keys never work. What? The door's open.
7: Hi. <gasps> Welcome to the Everlasting Club. Come on in.
5: Uh, well, this is a surprise. Uh, they told me this room was always locked. Uh, it
7: is. Mostly. I got a key from one of the betters.
5: Well, uh, hello, uh, I'm Jim Warner across the quad.
7: Just call me Bill. I made the mistake of admitting I was in the Marines once, and all I get from the Brits ever since is Boot Hill Bill. You're not from the States, are you? But Canada. A great neighbor to the north. Uh,
5: yeah, yeah.
7: <laughs> I know, I know. The mouse in bed with the elephant. The longest undefended psyche in the world. (laughs) How about we forget all that crap and play it by ear?
5: Yeah, you got a deal. Okay. And by the way, did, did you say the Everlasting Club?
7: That's why I'm here, man.
5: You got the bug, too? Ooh, I got it bad. I'm into history.
7: Started on the Hellfire Club, and, well, here I am. Hey, man, history's my major. Yeah? Italian Renaissance. Oh. Ever heard of the infamous academy? A guy called Pomponius? No, no, I never heard of him. The whole occult gig black masses in the catacombs. The Inquisition chased them for years. Oh. (laughs) But at least the Academy and the Hellfire Club, once they went to hell, they stayed there. (laughs) These guys are something else.
5: Bill, do you think they really come back once a year?
7: I don't know. Love to find out, though. I thought of wheedling permission to stay here the night they break out. When is
5: it? November 2nd. The Feast of All Souls.
7: Not Halloween? two days later. Just as heavy, but more class. Gotcha. Anyway, I'm just auditing lectures here, and I don't live in the college. Fat chance the master would allow me to go ghost hunting after hours,
5: eh? Hey, by yourself, no, but uh, I think I've got his permission for two of us. Uh, would you be interested?
7: Interested? Oh, buddy, you're going to have to tie me down and stop me. Fantastic.
5: I thought we'd do it right. You know, long table with the glasses, silverware, (laughs) candles, the lot.
7: (laughs) Think they can eat? Oh, all the more for us if they can. Right. This pad needs a real job done on it anyway.
5: Would you look at it? What in hell have they been storing here?
7: Dozens. And dozens of of chamber pot oh no they'll always be in England yeah ladies and gentlemen in the heart of darkness in the club room of the dead we are walled up alive in thunder mode. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't laughed so much <laughs> And you damn near drop your book Oh, my
5: God I completely forgot Do you know what these are? No They're the minute book of the Everlasting Club And the diary of the last survivor, Charles Belassus Kidding?
7: Yeah, here's our homework for a little dinner party and Then we start right now, Jim, old buddy Which one do we tackle first? The diary Bellasis was the last one He was in the... At the
5: kill Well, I, uh, I think maybe he was the kill
8: all souls night year of of grace seventeen hundred and sixty six near midnight and the storm approaching it will be but a rainy dawn I think <laughs> but it concerns me not for I shall never see the morning I write this for no future purpose of my own, but as a warning to those who may be tempted in a later age to the keeping of forbidden company. I am the last corporeal member of the Everlasting Club, and as such required tonight to entertain the others, should they wish to come. God help me, I think they will. The Everlasting Club began on All Souls' Night 28 years ago in 1738 it was an age of clubs for dining for dancing for whining for dicing why not then a club for devilry we were callow enough the five of us with some viciousness i suppose but not so bad as our president the honorable alan dermot grandson of a duke great grandson surely of beelzebub
9: Gentlemen! (laughs) Gentlemen, (laughs) order by command
8: of the President. Order. On this first
9: meeting of the Everlasting Club, our esteemed secretary, Mr. Witherington, will read the laws of the Society for your approval. Mr. Witherington, we attend you. Thank you. One... This society shall
10: consist of five everlastings, who shall be corporeal or incorporeal as destiny shall determine.
8: Damn me, I thought we were atheists, dermot. Rule one smells of religion. Cannot a gentleman uh, mock God, damn what?
4: Oh, uh, uh, well, very well. <laughs>
9: <coughs> Rule
10: two. On the second day of November in every year, being the feast of all souls at midnight post meridium the Everlasting shall meet at supper at the lodging of the member whose turn it shall be in rotation to entertain them. All members shall subscribe in the minute book their names and current circumstance of life. No member shall be absent for any reason upon pain of fine by the President.
9: What's all that
8: for? Why, my
9: dear Balassus, as time goes on, corporeals
8: tend to become I they not follow you. <laughs> it means,
3: Balassus... If enough of us, we survivors vote in time. We don't have to feed the dead. <laughs>
8: <laughs> and So we went on annually for five November's. Members were absent for good or bad reasons and were duly fined. We drank and caroused and blasphemed. And worse. And then we came to November 1743, and the noose suddenly tightened around our necks.
9: Order, gentlemen, order your servants, <coughs> As perpetual president, I welcome you again to the annual dinner of the Everlasting Club. Is all our society present? You can see for yourself, Mr. Form,
8: Mr. Witherington, form, correct form. If you please. Francis Davenport is missing. Find him, Mr. President. Mock him. But has he not been serving with the army this
10: last year? Irrelevant. The rules are the rules. There's a bloody minute book. Mulk Tartus. Per Presidentam Procter
9: Absentium Henricus Davenport. I thought you were a trifle hasty, Mr. Secretary. <laughs> if you be an everlasting enter... Gentlemen, you're most humble and obedient. Well, Davenport, don't stand there with your cloak wrapped round you like a virgin in a brothel. Come in and sit down. Take some port. I thank you, Mr. President. I will take nothing but am come in
10: fulfillment of the rules. God, Davenport, you usually stink like a carter anyway, but this time you've surpassed yourself. And you look... But it is gunpowder, gentlemen. I have come post-haste from the battle. My apologies for the odor. It's none of my doing. From a battle? In Cambridgeshire? From bettingen In Germany? In Germany? Well, how could you possibly... Davenport. Take off that cloak to oblige. An old friend... Witherington, Certainly. God! Time was when the guts were out. The man would die. A cannonball does not leave much, I fear. God have mercy on us. God have
6: mercy on us. God have
3: mercy on us.
9: Velasquez always was a milksop, I'm afraid, Davenport. My apologies. (laughs) I think, Witherington, we had better cancel the (laughs) fine.
8: Witherington, I had to see you. I can't be alone any longer. It's three days and I can still see Davenport when he... Linton, my God, to look at you, you'd think you'd just seen a ghost now. I have. What in God's name do you mean? I have just had word from Paris. The Honorable Alan Dermott,
10: President of the Society of Everlastings, was killed in a duel in Paris three days ago on November the 2nd.
5: But, but he... Don't
10: you see, Bellasis? there were two dead men at supper with us. It was Dermot's little peasantry to look as if he were alive when he wasn't.
4: The coffee had.
10: I saw blood once on his handkerchief. From the sword cut of the Frenchman who had killed him that morning. Oh, dear God, that means there are only three of us left. Oh, indeed, Bilas, only three. The minimum quorum to avoid the night of all souls. We'll assemble each October and vote down the meeting. And there'll be no trouble. Until the first of us... dies. And then... (laughs) Don't cry, Blasen. After all, you may be the first to go. And then... You can come with Dermot and Davenport as a guest.
4: (laughs) Good Lord.
5: So that's how it happened. They must all three have lived to the last year. The minute book. Get the minute book. Look, January 17, 1766, this day James Catherville became an incorporeal member through hanging himself. Ooh, couldn't take it anymore, poor bastard.
7: And that tore it. No more quorum to cancel a supper. They had to hold it and welcome their guests. 18th
5: September, 1766, this day Francis Witherington became an incorporeal member through an apoplexy. Signed, Charles Balassus, secretary and sole corporeal of the Everlasting Club. (laughs) Apoplexy.
7: Might as well have said a fit. Witherington died of fear.
5: And Balassus was sole host on November 2nd for a supper he had to provide. Not
7: opposite his name on the list of members? November 3rd,
5: 1766. This day, Charles Balassus was found dead and staring in his chair and became an incorporeal member of the Everlasting Club. Well, Bill, if Balassus was dead... Who wrote his death entry?
7: Why, old buddy? You're forgetting something. What? Velasquez is coming to supper day after tomorrow with the others. Why don't you just ask him? <laughs> You look at that watch once more, old buddy. It's going to fall off. What time is it now?
5: Three minutes to midnight. <laughs>
7: and this is all soul's night. It's a drag. Not a ghosty or a ghoulie in sight.
5: Wait till the clock strike. Hmm. Have you got the minute book ready for them to sign?
7: Right here. Open below the last entry.
5: The last victims, you mean. Robertus Farnham, 1861. Juliana Scott,
7: 1960. Oh,
5: uh, these damn candles are burning so dim I can barely see... Bill, there's another name. What? Jacobus Warner, 1982. Good God, they've added me. It can't be. Where's your name, Bill? Why am I the only name here? Where's your name? Why? I
7: I don't know. It's time, Bill. It's midnight.
5: They're coming They're coming up Cow Lane Gentlemen Your most humble and obedient Come in In whoever's name Ah, Mr. President Honorable members Mr. Water Our compliments sir
9: It is a nice point of etiquette as to who is entertaining whom. Perhaps it is best simply to join me. Now, we are shut in for the night. (coughs) Forgive my cough, Mr. Warner. When midnight strikes on this night, we take on the different forms of our deaths. The rapier thrust makes little trouble in my lung... Even so, I wager I'm more presentable than my poor friends here.
5: You're going to have to fine Mr. Scott for absence, aren't you? We seem to be missing Julienus Scott.
9: Ah, now, Mr. Warner, that's the cream of the jest. I have played the same trick myself before now. Bite once, bite twice.
3: Uh,
5: wh- what are you saying? It is a pity that you lack Latin.
9: Juliamus, Mr. Warner is the Latin for William. In vulgar parlance. Bill. No. I... I don't do not turn round too suddenly, Mr. Warner. Bill Scott put the barrel in his mouth before he fired, but all the same, you should not look at him unprepared.
5: No. No.
9: sorry.
7: Oh, buddy.
9: The real truth of the everlasting, Mr. Warner, is one most people find unbearable to contemplate. Among one's friends, you see, which of us can ever be quite certain who is alive and who is otherwise?
3: just heard The Club of Dead Men, the short story by Jay Wentworth Day, dramatized for Nightfall by John Douglas. Featured in tonight's cast were Rex Hagen as Jim Warner and Alan Fawcett as Bill, with Ann Butler as Mrs. Fawcett and Gilly Fennec as the master of the college. You heard Sean Mulcahy as the Honorable Alan Dermott, Robert Haley as Charles Bellasis, John Douglas as Henry Davenport and Michael Wincott as Francis Witherington. The recording engineer was John Jessop, with sound effect by Matt Wilcott, and the production assistance of Peggy Este. The Club of Dead Men was produced and directed in CBC Toronto by Fred D.L. The executive producer of Nightfall is Bill Howell. And now, here is a final word from your host. Hello again.
4: Next week's nightfall asks you to keep your eyes peeled and is best heard with an inner vision.
5: Let's take a little walk before dinner. (laughs) Can't see over this grass, can you, Snooper? Here, come on. Come on, lie down here, boy. Lie
7: down.
5: That's a good dog a good Snooper Go on, Lada, do you think I'd hurt you, Snooper? There's a good dog. That's a
7: good dog.
4: In the eye of the beholder, a new story of old-fashioned revenge. It stars Bud Knapp, Wayne Robson, Jeff Bowes, and Marion Waldman. That's next week on Nightfall. Until then, careful of the edge.
3: Funds for the distribution of this NPR Playhouse presentation were provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This is NPR, National Public Radio.
1: That was The Club of Dead Men from Nightfall from February of 1982 here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that was Tim's pick. Tim bringing uh, Nightfall yet again to us. How many Nightfalls have we done? Two. Two. This is our second. Yes. Mm -hmm. Why does it seem like a thousand? (laughs) There's obviously a lot to talk about off the air. We all looked at each other and giggled and said, nope, save it for the podcast. (laughs) Uh, There are some things I do like and there's some things I don't like. But first and foremost, I just want to say the best part of this Nightfall was, as opposed to the other Nightfall we listened to, playing the Land of the Lost scary music (laughs) during the actual episode and saving it only for the very end, playing traditional symphonic and suspenseful music, yeah. and organ and not um, not the Doctor Who theme. <laughs> <laughs> not the land of the lost, we're looking for giant strawberries transition music.
2: Uh, Tim, why? This is an episode I heard, uh, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, I do not come to uh, Old Time Radio the same way that you guys do. I didn't listen to it as a kid. Uh, I started taking to it. In the internet generation, when it was there's podcasts out there, here's a bunch of different episodes thrown together willy-nilly. Uh, and this was one of those that I had listened to. I, I quite liked it with no sense of what show it was from or what mm-hmm. decade it was from. So I knew it was on my list. I wanted to come back to that once we started doing the podcast. Uh, and specifically, I love just the setup of this club that obliges you to attend meetings, whether you're alive or dead. I love the minutiae of details that as so long as three of them were alive, they had a quorum where they could vote to cancel the meeting and that that somehow supernaturally affected the rules of who's coming back from the dead and when. Mm-hmm. I, I like that.
1: Let's start at the top and work our way through. The lady that is the landlord of the room that he's renting. Mrs.
2: Posit. Is
1: that what her name was?
2: She's a better. <laughs> That- I can only assume her first name is D.
1: Right. There are characters, and then there's that.
0: <laughs>
1: that is a parody wrapped inside a parody, sprinkled with uh, loving amounts of parody.
0: Are you talking about her accent? Accent
1: or- and her giggling at the end of things, and just everything about her was that woman.
0: And what it is about. Nightfall that makes me reject shorthand characterization like that, that I wouldn't necessarily reject in an old-time mm-hmm. Because it's show.
1: 1982. If we didn't know the date and they got rid of the synthesizer, we probably would cut it more slack for being of the time.
2: That's true, because when I heard this, like I say, I would hear that opening Nightfall thing and just not register that was the opening of the show versus the podcast that was on. Right. I did not give it a thought as to this is... Decades later than other old radio shows.
1: But it's true, because it's newer, we say, well, you should have outgrown that giant overacting
0: character stuff. I also think in the intervening decades actors aren't as fluent in accents as they were in the golden age of Hollywood, where you were trained to do multiple different voices. So so I do think the accents in this are lesser than in a golden age radio one. Mm -hmm. American Bill is kind of ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's
2: just the natural superiority of American actors over Canadian. I think that's, (laughs) I I think so too.
0: Ah. Oh, wait, you were joking.
2: (laughs)
1: Getting beyond the accent, I had to look up All Souls' Night. I did not oh, know wow. that was a thing uh, on November second. Um, didn't learn much except it's <laughs> November second, <laughs> Halloween. A few days later, without the candy, <laughs> the idea of this. I like. There's a room where they met, the Everlasting Club, uh, where people who had ventured in there ended up dead, and I like a lot of things about it. Uh, Like I said, the music didn't throw me off this time for Nightfall. I think the only real sticking point I had was it was ridiculously obvious that Bill was one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He went up there, and he was already in there without explanation. You need to meet Bill somewhere else. (laughs) Or have a reason for him to be in that room because we just waited the whole time
0: for Bill to reveal. Agreed? Yes. Yeah, it was really obvious. Yeah. And so as... Took the suspense out of it. As endings go, it was weak in that way because he just screams, no! or I know he's gory to look at, but I'm unsure what's about to happen to Jim in the end. Other than we presume he's going to be killed or he's going to meet the same fate as Bill. Yeah, I suppose if Bill is the model of what's going to happen, he's going to leave that meeting and go kill himself in some manner in the next couple of days. I don't know. But that would have happened no matter what, according to the story and according to everything that he'd been told by Mrs. Posit and other people that that was what happened the last time someone tried this. So it was still a weird end. I was unsure why the fact that Bill was dead made this so horrible when they were sitting there and hoping and waiting for dead people to show up.
1: Well, he's saying, don't turn around. Don't look at him. Uh, Prepare yourself, because Bill ate a gun. Yeah. And so, maybe I'm not following what you're saying, but that part is grotesque and horrifying ending because Mm -hmm. his head is off his yeah. face is off or whatever and he's trying yeah. to talk through it and again, he's trying to which talk is through. is very it. effective oh, yeah he's just like oh. <laughs> <laughs> stop making okay. fun of tim <laughs> is that what you're asking or am i off no what
0: up? i'm asking is i felt like it ended a beat too soon yeah yes that's horrible and it was done really well like don't turn around that's really scary but i felt there was a beat we were missing there is that underlying question of what about this is not what the the guy expected There is no suspense. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fundamental flaw, I think, in this story, is that the stakes are confusing. Because you're told at the top what the stakes are. If you go there, you're going to die. It doesn't seem like he takes it seriously, but it seems like he believes in ghosts. Yep. This is sort of a poor man's ghost hunt in that way, but in the suspense Mm -hmm. episode, Ghost Hunt... You're involved in it because you know that the protagonist in that one doesn't take it seriously, but you do. We don't know where Jim stands, so we're a little confused by... Well, from Jim at the start, he's
2: not worried about dying because he's not a member of the club. He just wants to show up and see it. The stakes kick in when he goes and realizes his name is now in the book. And so he is now a member.
0: Yes. Gotcha. No- <laughs> <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's, it it's, takes such a meandering course right. and spends a lot of time on the stuff that isn't interesting in the story instead right. of zeroing in. Because I will totally agree. One of my favorite parts of the story is that being able to vote the dead people away. That's mm-hmm. a great concept. Right. And I feel like that's where it should dig in. The concept that you have to return from the dead with the same wounds or symptoms of death. Right. Another great concept, but they're all little details and thrown away, and then we have very long scenes of less interesting things. I
1: think the fact that we're figuring this out and having to figure things out and ask questions of each other speaks volumes about how it was written, right? And what Joshua just said is absolutely right. Like, what are we doing here? What's what's the the exact thing?
2: The flaw of it is it's structured like Bill is a big surprise, and it isn't. Everyone sees that coming. Around that flaw, though, I like it very much.
1: I do, too. And I love the concept. It was a scary. I love the flashback. There was no point. I said, oh, God, when is this over? I did enjoy it all the way through. Just it needed to be workshopped.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it needed a, a reading and some Q&A at a local theater. <laughs>
0: I want to say that I'd be curious to read the original story, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, well, here's here's the other part of the story for me.
2: Wait, you didn't? No, no. this one's not uh, not public domain. You can't just uh, hop online and find this. You have to order the book from uh, like a racist book club. That yeah, it? that's the thing. Is I liked this story and I thought, hey, I'm doing some research. I wonder who wrote this and what his story is. I bet he's a fascinating guy. I wrote some more stuff and I looked up another racist. Oh man. <laughs> I just can't win. <laughs> like, every writer I like going to be this terrible... I mean, and this guy... i am On the post, I'm put on the website with this broadcast, I'll link to his uh, Wikipedia page. He's pretty awful.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. He's, he, like, said some terrible things on television. But then in your intro, you said he was suspicious of Hitler. Like, yeah, Hitler wasn't racist enough? Is that straight why Straight from the Wikipedia page that I think someone was trying to take a little pee out of the water. But... <laughs>
2: What,
1: so what was this television show? He would just go on it was and some rant? some political
2: television where he was, I, I guess, the designated reactionary. <laughs> <laughs> that really? is my new improv club name. <laughs> like, they just, like, we want somebody who's really crazy, extreme right politics just to hear that person's opinion. And they did. <laughs> wow. But he was also super... Uh, Agrarian—that doesn't convey the right thing, but it's in British politics, I guess, people who are really into rural issues as opposed to the city folk. Right. So farming. That's the word.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There was a a, a moment where uh, Bill and Jacoby or whatever his name was uh, became friends really fast, by the way. And they're up there and they met and he's not bothering to ask him ever what he's doing in the room. (laughs) But then they said something that might get you, huh? And they had a laugh that went on for 25 yeah, seconds. I
0: wrote that down to There's a lot of unearned laughter in this script. <laughs> I, <laughs> I said, all right, all right. It wasn't that it funny.
1: <laughs> Relax. You're trying too hard to be a friend.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although the same could be said about me reacting to Tim.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey. So apparently these ghosts can appear without their death symptoms. For some time, or it's only on All Souls Day when it strikes midnight. Yes, the the mask falls away and you're all gooey. Yeah, instead of the carriage turning into a pumpkin, your face falls off.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, any other uh, notes or complaints? I am curious from the original story if the Canadian aspect of the story was there, or that was put in by Nightfall about...
0: It seemed like it might have been a Canadian joke how many times Jim has to say, actually, I'm Canadian. It's like, it feels like six or seven times. He's like, I, no, I'm, I'm Canadian. So they've oh. been
1: dealing with that for a long time. Yeah. yeah no, so, I'm not an American.
0: Yeah. I somehow doubt this racist <laughs> English guy put a bunch of Canadian jokes in there, but maybe, maybe. Uh, no. No.
1: That was for the CBC. Because it has to have Canadian content, doesn't it? I know television, you have to have Canadian content of some sort. The old SCTV, uh, Great White North
0: story. no idea. Because it's not private. It's public, or certain portions of it are public.
1: Yeah, you know the story on SCTV, how Great White North came about.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they had to have some Canadian
1: Canadian content. content. So they went on and made made fun fun of it, it. and they said, perfect. And they were like, really? (laughs) (laughs) That was supposed to make you mad, and, and it was fine. Yeah, that'll do. Okay, <laughs> okay, that's good. You said Canada. All right,
0: I mean, we, we do have, Canadian, have some listeners. Canadian listeners. Yeah, yeah I want to say we don't hate. Canada no, no. Listeners. Are you kidding
1: me? You first of all, you got health care. Second of all, your <laughs> prime minister is good looking and seems nice. <laughs> you seem to have it all together.
2: Actually, yeah, we don't have to have Canadian content on our podcast. <laughs> we
0: don't. <laughs> we do it as an added bonus. <laughs> Just in case they take over. <laughs> or we want to move there. Right? <laughs>
1: I, I wouldn't say classic. I like the concept. I enjoyed it. I, how old were you when you first started listening to Nightfall?
2: Oh, this was like in the past five years. Or so. Okay. 45. Be, 40. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs>
1: So uh, it had good moments, but I think this confusion that we're talking about of what's going on now is its pitfall for Nightfall. Mm
0: -hmm. I think Nightfall's big trick is that it feels like old-time radio, but because it's done in the 80s, it can be more adult. It can be more violent and Mm -hmm. can have visceral stuff in it, like a guy trying to speak through his gunshot wounds in the face and just be more Horrifying, And so it always has a sort of shock value to it somewhere. And I think it successfully has that. I just think the story needed to be trimmed or refocused a little yep. bit.
1: Tim, you talk in the beginning both times about these episodes where they almost got kicked off the air. Man cutting off his hand, feeding into a pack of dogs. Things like, how come we don't bring those to us?
2: <laughs> how, how come we don't get to hear the ones that got him in trouble? I mean, gurgling, jawless guy... Tongue waggling loose out of the bottom of his skull. I mean, that's pretty good, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're right. It's pretty good. What do you think, Tim? I'll admit I'm biased just because the whole concept, the Hellfire Club, the uh, infamous Academy... These are all interesting things to me in a sort of a personal uh, hobby way. <laughs> no, that sounds That's like I have, really I have a personal little <laughs> club of people who do immoral acts. I haven't told you guys about it. Um, well, well, yeah, I want to be in. <laughs> so I totally recognize its flaws. It's not a classic, but I have a, a lot of fondness for it.
1: I hear you. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. Tim, if they want to learn more...
2: Hey, please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That website, you'll find other episodes of this podcast. If you want to get a hold of us, you can contact us through that website and make suggestions
0: for things we should put on the podcast later. Hey, and we also want to recommend a new podcast that we are listening to, and that is one called Breaking Walls. And it is a podcast on the history of American radio drama. And we don't plug other shows lightly here. I don't think we ever have. Mm-hmm. Nope. But First um, time. this is a really cool podcast and I think our listeners would be interested. It is a basically a radio documentary that is gonna move through the entire rise of the old radio networks, the growth of programming, through the depression, through the decline of radio and the growth of T V and even forward into what's going on currently on the internet for reviving dramatic radio so uh, give that a listen does the documentary end
1: with one of our episodes like
0: (laughs) we're gonna negotiate (laughs) (laughs) and itunes yeah go to itunes and write a review we love reviews on itunes in case you haven't noticed (laughs) i actually
1: just read them for the first time oh I didn't know they were there. I accidentally found... <laughs>
2: Did we not mention to you that there's... <laughs> no, a- <laughs> no, I just
1: didn't know how to get to them, and then it was an accident, and I found them. I'll just say it was like 30-some, right? And yeah. People are really it's nice. Yeah. People are really nice. Thank you. That's really nice things you wrote. Uh, I don't know how you have the time to do stuff like that, but sure, thank you.
0: <laughs> All right, who's got the next one? Uh, next time, it is me, and I am bringing an episode of Escape called Evening Primrose. Until then...